when we are born, we have many taste buds in our mouth. And uh, we are sensitive to the way that things taste. But as we grow older, our sense of taste becomes desensitized. You see, we lose our taste buds sometimes because we do things or we have experiences that damage our ability to taste. You see, every time you over-season your food, you lose some ability to taste. Every time you smoke a cigarette, you lose some ability to taste. Every time you drink a cup of coffee, you lose some ability to taste. Every time you drink something or eat something that's too hot and you burn your tongue, you lose some ability to taste. Every time you drink a Coke or a Pepsi or a Sprite or a 7-Up, you lose your ability to taste. Because these things impact your taste buds, these chemicals. These physical reactions tend to change your taste. And it changes the way your body responds and your ability responds to being able to taste both the bitter and the sweet. And so you find that when you are a child, you like a lot of sweet stuff. You like candy. You like cake. But as you grow older, you, you tend not to like as much sweets. But a child don't like bitter stuff. child doesn't like sour and salty stuff. But as they grow older, as they have these experiences that alter their taste buds, they begin to be able to handle bitter stuff. They learn to be able to taste the bitter with the sweet. The same is, is, is it is with life that as we go on living, or as the old saints will say, just keep on living. You learn that you can taste both the bitter and the sweet. So we find that in our text, Naomi challenges Ruth that you can't have a candy, a cotton candy fake and expect to make it far in this journey. You see, our text begins with Naomi and her family leaving Bethlehem because of a famine, and her and her husband and her two sons go from Bethlehem to Moab. And then Moab, her two sons, married two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. While in Moab, her, her husband and her two sons died. And Naomi hears that the, the famine has passed 
in Bethlehem. She makes ready to go back. And her daughter-in-law get ready to come behind her and she tells them to go back. And one daughter-in-law says okay. Kisses her goodbye and goes on her merry way. But Ruth says do not make me go back. What, what Naomi wants her to know is this won't be an easy journey. You see some of us will take a walk down an aisle thinking that this is going to be a piece of cake. We, 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 we think that as long as we got this sweet stuff, as long as God is giving us everything that we want, everything will be alright. But Naomi wants Ruth to know if you make this journey, there's going to be some times when life gets difficult. It's if you take this journey, that, there's going to be some times when you have to worry about where your next meal will come from, but just trust that God is able. If you take this journey, there's going to be some times when folks talk about you, but you've got to know where your help comes from if you take this journey. There's going to be some times where you're disappointed, but you've got to know where your hope is, trust, where your hope is when you take this journey. People will sometimes let you down, but you've got to know on Christ the solid rock, you've got to know that God is able if you take this journey. Naomi wants Ruth to know that a cotton candy faith won't get you through. See, I, I, I want some of us to know that too many of us have adopted a cotton candy through of God that if God will just bless me now, that I just need God to give me, give me, give me, and if God just give me, everything will be all right. But when God doesn't give me, can God just be God? Naomi. So, Says to Ruth, you need to go back. You need to stay here. Because here you know everything is all right. Here you're comfortable. Here you know what's going to happen. Here you, you, you know your people. Here you, you know everything is all right. But over there, it's uncertain. Over there, you don't know anybody. Over there, you've got to trust wholly on God. You better be sure before you pack your bags because there ain't no coming back. You got to be sure before you pack your bags because you can't look back once you make this decision so I want to make sure. Naomi challenges Ruth and Ruth says, don't make me. Don't make me turn my back on you. I, I'm willing to take the bitter with the sweet. I know. I've watched you. You came here with much. And I see you leaving here empty. I, I watched you, Naomi. I, I've seen how the Lord has been with you. And if God has been with you through all of that, I, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to try this God out. I, I'm willing to take a plunge. On a God that I don't know. 
I'm willing to be with you through the bitter and the sweet. But Naomi goes back struggling with God. God who, 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 who she says the Lord has dealt harshly with me. Here, here's what Naomi said. I pray. Have some of you been there? I, I called out to God. In the day of my affliction, I called out to God. In all of my distress, I called out to God in all of my frustration. And here was God's answer. God said no. Some of us are like some bad children. Well, well let, let me not say bad. Some of us are like some children that do not understand when God has to say no. Naomi says, I, I ask God. And the Lord has answered me. But I didn't necessarily like what God had to say to me. In all of my distress. In all of my need. The Lord has brought trouble on me. I, I left here. I had a husband. I, I, I left here. I had children, but now I'm 10 years older and I can't have any more babies. I'm all by myself in the Lord. You're saying, no. When God begins to try our faith, Many of us get to the place where we're at a point of giving up on God. Many of us reach a place where we're willing to sacrifice it all. And so when Naomi comes back and everybody is rejoicing, she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. And in fact, my name, I know my name means sweetness. I know my name means pleasant. But in fact, my life is bitter. The Lord has left a bitter taste in my mouth. Can I be honest sometimes that every now and then some of us are serving the Lord, but we have a bitter taste in our mouths. Some of us are following the Lord, but we have a bitter taste in our mouths. Some of us are going to church Sunday after Sunday with a bitter aftertaste after our mouth, in our mouths because we kept on calling out to God. And God says no. Naomi wrestles with the question that many of us wrestle with today when we are dealing with suffering. Does God just have fun with us? Is God just inflicting suffering on us so God can do some divine work? Is God just having fun with us? The Lord has brought us suffering. Upon me, what good is this? 
that I'm in this situation? What can happen to me here that I'm old now? I'm a widow. Nobody to take care of me. Here all by myself. No husband or son to care for me. The Lord has rejected me. Here she is wrestling with the fact that here she is dealing with the fact that God has walked out of her life while she was down in Moab. But I find that Naomi does something that many of us are too afraid to do. And I find that many of us commit spiritual suicide because we choose to suffer in silence. You see, Naomi is not afraid to let folk know where she is. Well, what, what do you mean, preacher? You see, too many of us, we hold our stuff in. Too many of us, we carry our own baggage. But Naomi comes back from Moab to Bethlehem carrying some heavy baggage. Here I am. Naomi says, I left full. But I came back empty. But she said, the Lord. She, she, she blamed, she's blaming God. The Lord has been harsh to me. The Lord has made me suffer. I, I'm not mad at my husband for dying on me. I, I'm not mad at my children for leaving me. But the Lord, I, I'm mad at God. She's dealing with some heavy baggage. And, and she's letting folk know, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. I, I'm no longer sweet, but I'm bitter. The Lord has left a bitter taste in my mouth. And too many times we're ashamed to admit when we're struggling with God. Too many times we're ashamed to say when we've had to ask the question of God, why Lord did you have to let it happen? Why Lord, why me? Why, Lord, when I'm calling on your name, do you not answer? Why, Lord, are you telling me no? We're saying to tell others what we're going through. And then we say stuff like, you don't know my story. We wave it like it's some badge of honor. Oh, if you only knew what I've been through. And you don't know my story. But I, I stand by because that's killing Christianity. Because if folk don't know your story, they won't know that you've been redeemed. How do I know? The psalmist said the Lord is good. Then he said, let the redeemed Say so. And if you're not telling your story, folk will never know that you've been redeemed. But too many of us are hiding behind a banner that 
you don't know my story. But if folk don't know what the Lord has brought you from, what the Lord has carried you through, they won't know that God has made a way for you. But we find here in the story being revealed that folk get to know that God has made a way for Naomi because Naomi comes back to Bethlehem proclaiming that the Lord has dealt with me harshly. Folk begin to know when God is beginning to move in Naomi's life because Naomi said, I left him empty. I left him full. I came back empty. They know that God has done what only God can do. Because Naomi isn't afraid to say her struggles with God. You see everybody dealing with this thing we want to be redeemed. But redemption calls. Redemption calls something. Naomi has to Cost her her pride. It, it costs a lot of pride. Yeah. You, you want to know why folk don't tell folk where they are? Yes, yes. They're dealing with their pride. Yeah. I'm too proud to let folk know I'm struggling. Truth of the matter is, Naomi had to deal with her pride in going back from Moab to Bethlehem. She had to go back a broken woman. She had to go back a wounded woman. She had to go back dealing with the fact that she felt God's rejection. Not only did she feel God's rejection, she left the promised land going to a land. Going to a place that she hoped to find hope. Where they believed that God wasn't there. And she had to go back feeling that she has slid away from God and God has slid away from her. She had to go back in her brokenness and admit her failures, admit her faults and admit the fact that she was struggling with her relationship with God and being willing to be open to the fact. But I find too many folk don't experience true redemption because we never get to the place where we are willing to admit that we're broken. What do you mean in order to be forgiven of one's sin? One has to first be able to confess that they are a sinner. But the problem that was raised by those who could not be forgiven is that they, not that forgiveness was not available, but that they could not confess that they were sinners. You know what's uncomfortable for us in worship is to confess that we're sinners. As much as we need the Lord, it's hard for us to confess that we're broken. Ruth. Redemption was not easy for her because she too was a widow. 
She had to leave everything that was comfortable, comfortable for her. She had to leave her homeland. She had to leave her people. And, and, and here's the kicker. She had to leave her gods. She had to leave her way of life. And go to a place where she was a stranger. In a land that did not rule her. Uh, she had to be willing to be a foreigner in a land, in a place that did not want her. And in, in a fact, a place that was not welcoming yeah. to her. She had to come to trust a God who she believed that automatically rejected her. But redemption comes when we're willing to pay or take the risk of the cause. To take the jump to believe that God is able. Naomi and Ruth take the risk because Ruth says your God. I don't know your God. But your God will be my God. I'm willing to make the change. I'm willing to do something new. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And, and sometimes if we want to be redeemed, if we want God to move in our lives, we've got to be willing to go to places we wouldn't ordinarily go. If we want God to move in our lives, we got to be willing to do things we wouldn't ordinarily do. So Ruth goes to a strange place. But we find here that redemption does not always look how we would desire. You know, sometimes we think that everything ought to be picture perfect. I wonder how the readers will think about it. Because the genealogy of Jesus says that Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Redemption doesn't always look how we would design. And if we had our way, let me pause here. Because those who are reading it would have to have to see grace. They would have to see grace. Because they would have to have to see what God had done in the lives of these women in order for Jesus to be who Jesus was. Because if God did not do in the lives of these women what God had done, then Jesus could not be who Jesus was. Because the Jewish line did not pass from the father, but it passed from the mother. Let me say it this way. My wife is from a mixed lineage. 
My father-in-law is African-American, my mother-in-law is Hispanic. In that context, my wife would be classified as Hispanic. So what am I trying to say is that based on the genealogy of the woman, there goes the line. So if God did not do anything in the lives of these women, Jesus could not be who Jesus was. And so God takes in this redemption narrative, God brings together the son of a prostitute and a Moabite convert. Y'all not, not catching me now. God takes a, the son of a prostitute and a Moabite convert Somebody who wasn't supposed to be ever received in the congregation. God takes the son of a prostitute and a Moabite convert. And together they conceive Obed. God takes the son of a prostitute. Remember I, I, I said Salmon and Rahab. Boaz, the, the, the son of a prostitute, and a Moabite convert, and they create Obi. What God does in this narrative is God does something that we cannot imagine God doing. But it is something that is scandalous even in the days of David. Well, what do you mean, preacher? You know, a lot of folk take David's testimony as their own. It's, it's scandalous even in the days of David. And so David writes this testimony. David says, I was shaped in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. It, it was scandalous. The conception between the son of a prostitute and a Moabite convert, even upon David, who was two more generations down the line. So that David, after his sin with Bathsheba, wrote, he was shaped in iniquity. Let me see if I can work with that for a minute. David said, I, I was formed in what was perverse. Let me, let me see if I can help us out some more because you're still not getting it. The son of a prostitute and a Moabite convert. The Moabites come from the descendants of Lot when Solomon and Gomorrah was destroyed. And lots of daughters thought that they were the last people on earth. And so they got a lot drunk and they had incest. And, and so you have what is believed to be the perversion of a son of a prostitute. And a perversion of an incestuous line. So David is talking about the scandalous birth. David said I was shaped 
in perverse and in sin or in error or in failure did my mother conceive me it wasn't supposed to happen folk didn't want it to happen there was some folk rooting against it happening. But don't you know it takes three to make a baby. This is what David is arguing. It was scandalous for folk. But it takes three Beyond childbearing years. 
They said, thanks be to God. The Lord has not left you alone. The Lord, that same God that you prayed to, has not forgotten about you. That same God that you said dealt with you harshly. That same God that you said made you suffer has not left you without a family in Israel this day. But he's given. Watch this now. Ruth had a baby. But because they owned it, let folk know her story. The women said, the Lord has given Naomi a son. When you tell folk your sorry, folk will say what God has done. They will be able to see what the Lord was doing in the midst. Yes, Ruth had a baby, but it wasn't Ruth's baby. The Lord has given Naomi a son. Yes, Ruth had went into labor. But the Lord has given Naomi a son. That isn't all. So I found something interesting in this text. Because I was looking to see who named Obey. It wasn't Naomi. It wasn't Ruth. And it wasn't Boaz. But the text says the women in the neighborhood, they all got together. And they began to give the child a name. And they named the child Obey. They named Naomi and Ruth's redemption story. Obey. Now, you all might not understand it right now. And so you got to go and look at the tombstone of David. You see, the tombstone goes back to generations. And so the tombstone of David will say, David, son of Jesse, son of Obed. So let me see if I can decode for you the redemption story of Naomi and Ruth. Their redemption story is David, son of Jesse. The Lord exists. David, son of Jesse, the Lord exists. Son of Obed, servant. And so their redemption story is I'll serve the Lord because the Lord is real. Go back to Ruth's oath to Naomi. I will stick with you unto death. And if I don't, may the Lord do unto me and even worse. In other words, I know that God is real. 
Christian story. Here we see Ruth leaving Moab, committed to serving the Lord because she knows God is real. Is there anybody that knows today that God is real, that's willing to serve God through thick and thin, shake the bitter with the sweet, the good times with the bad, in all seasons, serve God anyhow, to stay on the battlefield and serve him till you die. Is there anybody who is willing, who is committed to leaving everything that you have known that has held you that you've been comfortable with to be willing to serve the Lord too many folks I believe what Matthew is arguing is too many folk are committing to Jesus half-heartedly. But you can't convert to this thing without being all in. You got to be able to take the better with the sweet.